the incomparable. Number 259, August 2015. We're back on the Incomparable Summer Superhero Spectacular. We are in the second round. We're going to take our uh, collection of 32 superheroes down to 16 in this round. It's going to be very similar to the last round in the sense that we have two cruel judges who are going to decide the fates of the uh, heroes in our star chamber today. Uh, Philip Michaels is one of the judges. Hello, Philip Michaels. Hello. And Steve Lutz is your other cruel judge. Hi, Steve. Hello. If the judges should not agree on a decision, then I have some exciting news because you, the listeners, voted. Um, this is our commitment to democracy here at The Incomparable. If we can't decide, then and only then will the people speak. And the winner who will move on will be the result of your vote. But I'll reveal the results of your votes as we go, as well as some choice comments from the votes given by uh, Incomparable listeners. Jason, uh, I, I just want to say on behalf of the judges, I think it's... Um, very smart of you to admit your incompetence and to step, and step down aside. as judge and to leave Steve and I as the experts. That's right. Indeed. Indeed. I, I agree. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we, we'll see. So for this round, this round, uh, I think future rounds will be a little bit different, but this round is going to be similar to the last round. Um, a slight change. Uh, this uh, We, we want to keep it all positive in the first round and just talk about your own hero. Um this time, I'd like a, a, a brief recap of why your hero is good, and then uh, a little bit about why your hero is better than its opposition. So a little more like better, oh, not not oh, throwing them under the positive. Not only, not only, uh, you, you know, but it's not it's not about them; it's about you. But it might be about why you're better than them. This is what this is the slight change in guidance. I just want to come right out and say that no money has changed hands in advance of the judgments that yet. will be made in yet. this evening's podcast. Right, but it's no early. No graft, yet. no corruption of any kind. I cannot think of a worse way to spend your money <laughs> yeah. than to bribe fill the bourbons in the mail. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not going to get there. It's in the mail. It's leaking through the envelope. Mm -hmm. That was really a bad way to send it. (laughs) You know what? It was cheap. (laughs) So let me introduce our our advocates. Dan Morin is an advocate. Hello. Uh, Hello. It's good to be here. Speaking of leaking through the envelope. Hey, wait a second. Monty Ashley, also an advocate tonight. Howdy. Howdy. Tony Sindelar. He'll be speaking for, you know, Batman, Spider-Man, people like that. Hi, Tony. Hello, nerds. Lisa Schmeiser takes on the downtrodden with many of her cho- choices tonight, but uh, she's got a couple good ones, too. Hi, Lisa. Hi there. Chip Sutterth is also out there. He's not Tony, but he's here. Hi, Chip. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Did you just realize you were on the podcast, Chip? Co- <laughs> he just realized he's not Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. A, a new uh, new uh, uh, advocates in this round. Uh, Philip Moselak will be speaking for Five Heroes. <laughs> No. V- veto. Mose. Veto. No wow. sound effects. Oh, sorry. But I was figuring I was going to be like Phil Michaels and just little, throw, throw music around. Little walk-up music. I'm here to defend. <laughs> I find against the new guy already. Yeah. And, and also uh, speaking on behalf of uh, Four Heroes this evening is Shannon Sutter. Hi, Shannon. Hola, freakies. Who speaks for the trees, Jason? All right, let's get going. Here is our first matchup. Our first matchup is number one seed Spider-Man advocated by Tony Sindelar uh, versus number eight seed Aquaman advocated by Monty Ashley. Um, I find for Aquaman. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Phil, how do you vote? Change of venue. (laughs) Are we going to do the thing where you guys advocate first? Yeah, let's do that first. Monty, you're the uh, lowest seed with with Aquaman, so why don't you go first? Uh, Well, 
As the distinguished judges no doubt know, Aquaman is a member both of the modern Justice League, and there we're talking about the big, bearded, hook-for-a-hand, gritty yes. Aquaman. But he's also a member of the Super Friends, and there, of course, we're talking about uh, green panties, orange shirt, <laughs> ch- child-friendly Aquaman. And I think it's important to realize that you've got a character here who can span the whole gamut there. He could work as a solo guy under the ocean fighting evil starfish, or he could be part of a team, part of the most important team in comic books. And he my, swings both the ways, super friend. you're saying. Hmm. As opposed to my distinguished opponent, Spider-Man, he's been on the Avengers, but he's a loner. He's a one-note guy. All you get with Spider-Man is web-slinging. Come on. All right, strong words there from uh, the Aquaman camp. Uh, Tony Sindelar, please talk about Spider-Man. All right, I, I will concede that uh, Aquaman is a, a pretty solid hero. Um, you know, I'm a, a big fan of the Flash. In the Flashpoint alternate universe, he conquers a significantly large percentage of the known world, so that's that's pretty cool. It does happen in you know an alternate world and not in you know the main world, but still. Uh, but Spider-Man is in a class above uh, uh, Aquaman. Uh, Spider-Man is probably my favorite Marvel hero of all time. Um, he can do whatever a spider can, and that that's a lot. Um, he's also kind of, I think, the the first kind of superhero I read that is really a person, like an actual living human breathing, who, uh, as opposed to kind of like a, a caricature, uh, who gets these powers and the, the the classic comic line that you know I think everyone remembers: "With great power comes great responsibility." And he, you know, he is kind of a stand-in for probably a lot of adolescent comic book readers, in that he's this awkward, nerdy person who you know is is kind of an outcast. And then he gets these powers, and at first he thinks about how he's going to make his life uh, so much better, but then it's about kind of how he can you know, basically do service for the city of New York uh, and the community in which he lives. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think Spider-Man is just, he, he's in the top class of, of superheroes of all time. I'll also mention Aquaman, I think advanced to this round predicated on the knowledge that uh, 70% of the world's surface is covered by water. Uh, I did some research and I think that people would be interested to know that statistically you are always within three feet of a spider. <laughs> okay, good. Strong science. Interesting. Strong science argument there. And then before we go to the judges, I will I will uh, give you some uh, information submitted to us by our listeners. Uh, listeners information in this, is a strong word. Li- list, yeah. Listeners in this category uh, said things such as "does whatever a spider can." Indeed, uh, Spider-Man changed comics, introducing the idea that these are real people with real problems who happen to have powers. Uh, another listener said, "Is he strong? Listen, Hub, he's got radioactive blub, which is very nice." Another listener <laughs> said, "Hook for a hand." Strong argument. Another another listener said, "Seriously, how did Aquaman move on? He's way more lame than Hawkeye." Another listener said, "The problem said with Aquaman is that everyone knows when he farts." <laughs> that is That's a sophisticated problem? analysis. There. While water does cover a significant portion of the planet's surface, whales can't swing from buildings. I, I don't understand that argument, even though I think it's in my favor. Aquaman is useless in a landlocked city. Spider-Man survived three terrible movies, a feat few, if any, superheroes could match. And Aquaman sucks. I vote for not Aquaman. <laughs> so those are the arguments from our listeners. Now we go to the judges. Also, I would mention, if the world is ever 70% spiders, you're really going to need Spider-Man. <laughs> he has no power over spiders. <laughs> I mean, Ant-Man has power over ants. So. so let's move on to the judges. Steve Lutz, what are your thoughts? 
I think the extra information from the uh, the peanut gallery is great. It's good to have more data points to completely ignore. Stop sucking up to the audience, Steve. Uh, as I said, no money of any kind has changed <laughs> hands before this evening's uh, judgments. Uh, Tony, you point out that you're always within three feet of a spider. However, you failed to point out that you yourself contain millions of water molecules within which potentially if Aquaman could make himself small enough, he could swim around it. Okay, that doesn't... All right, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to walk away. Tony. I'm not sure that's how Aqu- Aquaman works. Aquaman's power isn't over water. His power is things that live in the water. He just Can said Aquaman, Aquaman could shrink? swim around in them if you were small enough. <laughs> Technically true. What? That's true. That's true. If he was I... if he was an ant, ant Aquaman, perhaps. Uh, Tony, you wisely mentioned that Spider-Man can do whatever a spider can, and that is a lot. What is that exactly that he can do that is whatever a spider can? He can spin webs any size. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's fascinating. Anything else? He has radioactive blub. He sticks to walls. <laughs> he sticks to walls, Tony. He sticks Something to walls. about catching thieves and, and whatnot? Yeah. yeah, just like flies. Just like mm. flies. All right. Well, because Tony apparently did the obvious homework that we gave last time. Right? Uh, I even said blub because blood and bub don't really rhyme. So I, I'm leaning Spider-Man and, and I'm going to go Spider-Man. What finally pushed me over the edge was the fact that Monty, in his pro argument, used the phrase green panties, orange shirt, child friendly. And that <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by them. That is a that is a step too far as far as I'm concerned. I thought the fart was going to so. swing him. For me, it is Spider-Man. Phil? Aquaman. Aquaman. Does whatever an aqua can? I think not. <laughs> Spider-Man is the judgment here. All right. Spider-Man is the ruling two to zero from our judges. And in fact, uh, from the people, they voted by 80%, 80% for <laughs> Spider-Man. So Spider-Man will move on. We'll move to our next, our next uh, matchup. It is number five seed, the Silver Surfer, who will be argued by Mr. Philip Mosellac, uh, and the number four seed, Kitty Pride from the X-Men, argued by Monty Ashley. Mose, you are the lower seed, very slightly, so you may go first. Please tell us about the Silver Surfer. Well, first of all, the Silver Surfer's incredibly awesome because, number one, he saved his entire race by, you know, becoming the Herald of Galactus. So his own self-sacrifice should be merit enough. But then you take on the power cosmic, which, I mean, really, it's almost, you know, you can't even measure it. The guy can do almost anything. Then, if we go into the, quote, real world, you know, I'll bring up the Fantastic Four movie, because not even an actor could really play him. They had to digitally put him in. He's that powerful that you can't have somebody, even a Nick Cage, uh, play him. So that's important. <laughs> I like that Nick Cage has become a unit of power in your universe. <laughs> One Nick Cage. Uh, well, I got to, I got, I got to use him. I got to kind of build my case because I got to use him again later. <laughs> um, hmm. He is also, uh, you know, look, I, I, what can I say? He's silver and he's got a <laughs> surfboard. Everyone loves surfing. Mm-hmm. And those who don't, you know, they're landlocked anyway, but they all have that fascination. Now think about that taking surfing to a whole new level and going along the uh, super skyways and spaceways and just looking for planets for Galactus to take. Now, that seems, on a whole, a very nefarious thing, but it was only until he found Earth. And then, you know, talked to that guy, Reed Richards, you know, who's kind of douchey. But anyway, 
but that's neither here nor there. He's already out. But, you know, and he said, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to have this planet go down. That's my argument. Power cosmic and he's silver. All right. Power cosmic silver. Both of those are facts. Monty Ashley, tell us about Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride has saved the entire planet several times, and she did it without having to become a lackey to an intergalactic monstrosity. But it helps. <laughs> We've seen her grow as a character, which is strangely unusual for a uh, medium like comics where you see the same character over decades. She was introduced as a naive waif, and she grew and learned from her experiences and ended up as a professor at professor x's uh school of mutant stuff and she's an elder <laughs> and now she's Hot an elder accredited institution <laughs> the school for mutants who want to read and do other stuff good <laughs> yes uh, she's constantly changing costumes and superhero names she gives you a lot to work with and i'll compare that to the silver surfer who's pretty much always been the same mopey space dude always looking the same always calling himself the same thing he doesn't even wear a costume just pretty much an outline of a guy. And frankly, surfing is only cool if there's danger involved. Call me when there are space sharks. <laughs> Seriously, I will come running. There, there are space sharks. We don't joke <gasps> about that. Uh, okay, strong arguments there. I will throw in a few choice comments from the listeners. Um, we, well, I heard a few that were Teenage Crush on, I assume that's Kitty Pride, although you never know, could be the Silver Surfer, um, pointing out that who else got a mention in Weezer's uh, In the Garage, quite possibly the most nerderific nerd anthem of any generation. Uh, Silver Surfer, despite the name, does not talk like Jeff Spicoli. That was an argument. Kitty has a purple pet dragon. Um, and then this one made me laugh out loud. Kitty Pride is a grown-ass woman. Silver Surfer is just a weirdo in some kind of silver bodysuit. So that's some of the comments <laughs> from the listeners about Silver Surfer. Not a lot of love there. And Kitty Pride. Uh, Philip Michaels, what is your ruling? Oh, a point of order. Um, yes, sir. Does Silver Surfer have a uniform? No, that's his body. He's just okay. silver. He just hangs so, out. He's like okay. a guy on top of a trophy for All second right. place. <laughs> He's like enough. the Oscar. If, like if, if we have um, decided that wearing green hot pants and an orange shirt and saying, come to me, children, is just a little bit creepy, as we ruled in our previous decision, then um, a naked silver man is not the kind of man I want saving my universe. I rule in favor of Kitty Pride. All right, Steve Lutz. Silver, totally nude, child-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Silver Surfer actually do besides float around on his surfboard and kind of loaf well storm thurgensen wanted to do the artwork for dark side of the moon and have the silver surfer on it so how, how does that sway you not at I all don't i like recognize any of those cover. words <laughs> i do but i am not to be swayed by album cover art Although last time I picked Silver Surfer because he was on album cover art, but not this time, my friend. <laughs> that, that time has passed. You missed your this, window. This court does not recognize the concept of precedent. Precedence, no. <laughs> this time I too must run from the silver naked child friendly man with the power cosmic. Uh, although I I must uh, I must give you props for mentioning the Fantastic Four movie that takes some real gonads. Well done. Right. It's Kitty Pride for me. Okay. The, uh, the listeners uh, agree with the judges 65% for Kitty Pride over the Silver Surfer. Uh, she advances on to the next round. Let's move on. Uh, here's a battle of low seeds that made it through as underdogs in the previous round. Now they must face each other. 
Beta Ray Bill, the number 11 seed. You may know him as Horse Thor. He's going to be argued by Chip Sutterth again. And Kate Bishop, the only Hawkeye to remain in the tournament. Uh, and she is going to be argued by Dan Moore. And Dan, Kate was the 14 seed going up against 11. You get to go first. What is your thought about Kate Bishop? Uh, well, my thoughts about Kate Bishop are many, inc- including that she is far more competent than, uh, than Clint Barton in many ways in, in the keeping the Hawkeye mantle. Uh, as I believe some one of our listeners pointed out, um, when Kate Bishop decides that she's had enough of Clint Barton's uh, BS and, and hightails it to L.A., the pizza dog goes with her. So, And pizza dog, as we all know, has impeccable taste, so it's hard to mm. argue with that. Um, I will also point out that while Beta Ray Bill, who, I mean, is he a horse? Is he a horse skeleton? Like, I mean, make up your mind, dude. Uh, while he may be better than Thor, low bar. Low bar. <laughs> So, yeah. (laughs) Nice dig there at the end. Uh, Chip, uh, what say you about Beta Ray Bill? Well, if it please the court, um, as I said last time, I risk losing my friend, the Kate Bishop cosplayer, if I win this one, and yet I must. In this matchup, we have two adaptations of the original characters, right? Kate Bishop is the second Hawkeye, and she's got talent, and she's got attitude, and she's competent, but she's just another archer. Beta Ray Bill, the second Thor, is a half-horse-like alien, half-killer cyborg, with all of the power and worthiness of Thor. This gives you two heroes for the price of one. Economy demands that Beta Ray Bill win this matchup. I would like to close in song. A Thor is a Thor, of course, of course, and no one can lift his hammer, of course, except for a cyborg horse, of course, the mighty Beta Ray Bill. And Beta Ray Bill be Thor, of course, in issue 338. Check the source, a character I will always endorse, victorious Beta Ray Bill. Awesome. No further uh, questions, Your Honor. Oh, <laughs> Strong, strong, uh, Def- strong defense there. also rests. <laughs> strong. <laughs> uh, and then here's some uh, feedback from the listeners. Um, we need uh, that Hawkeye representation in this draft. A real Hawkeye has to beat a fake Thor. Horse Thor is a horse. Archery is not a superpower. He's worthy, Beta Ray Bill. I reject the premise, which is I found interesting. They just don't like it at all. You can't. You do have to pick one. Kate Bishop is one of my favorite characters of all time based on the recent comics. Why doesn't she have a TV show? And finally, don't care. Neither one is Batman. All right. <laughs> so, Steve. Not wrong. Not wrong. Steve. What, Steve, what, what's, what do you say? I'm a little confused by Dan's Kate Bishop argument. His con against Beta Ray Bill is that... Uh, being better than Thor is an extremely low bar to leap. And yet his pro for <laughs> Kate Bishop is better than Clint Barton. <laughs> also a low bar to leap. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Clint Barton is, is great. I'm also concerned about Pizza great Dog. Why have I not heard previously about Pizza Dog? Pizza Dog. Yeah. Why haven't you heard about Pizza Dog? Pizza is his business. Why wasn't Pizza Dog on this Is he place? a dog made out of pizza? He's Hawkeye's dog and he eats no, lots of he eats Phil, pizza. he's the other kind of dog. Uh, yeah, I find it almost a miscarriage of justice that you did not lead with Pizza Dog, which seems mm. like burying Pizza Dog the lead. was a quick second, the second point there. I, I, mm. you know, deployed Pizza Dog earlier. I All think right. we should save those for the uh, the animal sidekick draft. <laughs> yes, good point. <laughs> On the subject of Beta Ray Bill, I'm not sure economy is a very exciting argument either. Uh, although the song was nice, yet I cannot be swayed by song. I am oh, a, a I am a judge, man. What do you think? 
in the end, uh, I was ultimately swayed by a listener uh, who pointed out the simple fact that Horse Thor is a horse. He probably meant it as a con, but I think it's a pro. I'm going Beta Ray Bill. All right. Philip Michaels, what do you think? Mr. Morin. Yes? Did you prepare a song? I did, but I decided not to sing it because I wanted to spare you that indignity. Mm. Ooh. Like um, many of the readers, I simply do not care about this matchup. <laughs> and yet... <laughs> yet when a man Why sings... Why are we here? Why are we here? <laughs> when a man sings and, and expresses in song what is in all our hearts, I, I cannot ignore that. My, my uh, uh, judgment is for Beta Ray Bill. All right. Well, then that uh, this is a miscarriage of justice. That is a that is a two nothing ruling for Beta Ray Bill. Um, I will say that this is the first case where our judges have gone against the views of the listeners who voted sixty one percent for Kate Bishop as Hawkeye Dan. That and well, uh, the masses are asses. Jason. That and two dollars will get you a two dollar bill. Our listeners are extremely drunk. Yeah, yes. the listeners are the drunk <laughs> yes, ones. That's right. We are also listening right now. Uh, let's move on to the next round. We have number ten seed Wally West. One of the two flashes to move on to the second round. So uh, many he, flashes. Uh, he Wally West will be argued by Chip. Uh, he's going up against number two seed Captain America, who will be argued by Dan. Chip, you may go first. Please go ahead, Wally West. If it please the court, I do not have a song. <laughs> It does not please the court. Sing one now. <laughs> Wally West, Wally West, he is the... Fla- uh, this justice remains impassive. Mm. I'll allow it. If it please the court, I am at a grave disadvantage against my opponent, counselor, not Chip, for I feel I am attacking the very flag of the United States. But Wally West is the, greater, is the greater hero because of all of the odds that were against him, both in the real world marketplace and the DC universe, he was the difficult second album. He replaced a legendary character, and for much of that time, he did so with, like, half the power. He just couldn't run as fast. But he made up for it with attitude. I refer the court to the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series, where he brought humor to an otherwise grim and frowny team. And speaking of grim and frowny, well, in a moment, I will yield the floor to Mr. Sindelar, whose client isn't exactly the life of the party. But first, let me point out that the lightning bolts sticking out of the Flash's cowl beat Captain America's little winglets any day. Tony, you gave this one to Dan, right? Yeah, unfortunately, Chip, yep. you're, up yeah. Yeah. you're up against me. Not Tony. You're up against not Tony instead, no. Chip. Yeah. Your arguments were miscalculated. I was confused while you were attempting to brand Dan as not Chip. I was like, that seems, that seems like vindictive against the wrong person. <laughs> it is. It is. No one said we had to be accurate in our arguments. I really should have taken paid more attention in public defender school. <laughs> Dan, uh, what are your thoughts about Captain America? Well, Captain America, I mean, America's obviously in the name, so we can just sort of dispense with that USA. right on. But I think what's USA. more important here is Steve Rogers. And Steve Rogers, he's just an ordinary guy. He's like any of us, you know? He's he's kind of gets pushed around a lot. You know, he's he's sort of he's sort of a nerd. Um and he but he's a good-hearted guy. And I and I think that, you know, that shows through despite the fact that, you know, he's given superpowers, he still maintains that integrity and that that heart that, you know, em- embodies what we think of as the best of the American spirit. 
Um, I, I always really enjoyed the fact that his his weapon, if you can even call that, is really just a shield. Like, I mean, because, you know, it's sure you can you can beat the crap out of someone with a shield. But like, you know, he doesn't need guns. He doesn't need, you know, a fancy hammer. Um, he's just he's got he's all about the defense, you know, and I think that's that's an important lesson for a hero. Um, and as as far as my my distinguished opponent goes, I am second to none in my admiration for Wally West, except to say that he's not Barry Allen. All right. Uh, from the listeners, we uh, have a uh, an argument for Captain America as the unfrozen caveman superhero. Uh, Defender of the week somehow manages to be idealistic without being totally dumb and jingoistic. He punched Hitler in the face. Strong argument. Uh, mm. About Wally West, they say this is the wrong Flash, but somebody else disagrees <laughs> and says Wally is the best Flash. And finally, one listener wrote, not Barry, should have picked a new name. That's the comments from the listeners. Uh, Philip Michaels, what are your thoughts about The Flash and Captain America? I am enraged by the listener who says that it's the wrong Flash. There is no such thing as a wrong Flash, sir. All the Flashes are equally uh, That's not what Child Protective Services told me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not Chip mentions that... um, Captain America is just like us. I don't recall shooting myself full of super serum to gain superpowers. And not uh, not Dan brings up an interesting point when he uh, mentions the Justice League cartoon, because that was a rough slog, save for the comic relief brought to us by Wally West, the greatest of all Flashes. I rule in favor of the Flash Wally West. Steve? Yeah, I don't know. Ordinary guy all about the defense doesn't really inspire me uh, when Captain America is concerned. And uh, bringing humor to a grim and frowny team, that I can relate to more than uh, more than being a guy who wields a shield. And uh, hmm. And yet Chip did. It, he attacked man's little winglets. That's stone cold, dude. It's not his fault his winglets are small. His costume was just born that way. He was frozen for years. There's going to be shrinkage. <laughs> Do you understand? He does what he can with those little winglets. He he tries his best, you know. It's just, you know, he's got little winglets. It's not the size of the winglets. It's the motion of the flapping. But lightning bolts, come on. I'm going Captain America. Oh, we have a split between wow, our judges. Drama. Um, this was one of the foremost lopsided votes on the listeners' accounts. They voted 81% in favor of Captain America, who moves on to the next round. Wow, not a lot of love for the the, Flash. The the people have spoken. Which Flash, Steve? We've got another one. They can spread the love around. Mm. Splitting the Flash vote. That's always tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. You don't want to do that. I am writing an angry dissent as I uh, sit here right now. (laughs) Thank you, Justice Scalia. Uh, We are going to move on to the next region. Number one seed in this region is Superman. Yeah, topical. Woo! Superman (laughs) for a top seed in this region uh, will be argued by Lisa going up against the number nine seed underdog, the Falcon. Argued by Shaman. Shaman, you are uh, the the underdog, so you get to go first. Tell us about the Falcon. Okay. Sam Wilson, the Falcon, is the first African-American superhero in mainstream comics. 
And if that isn't enough for you, he's also the first community organizer who manages to escape the Red Skull in his origin story and stays to help teach the island population how to defend themselves against their evil overlords. This man has social justice warrior written into his DNA long before hooking up with Captain America in order to learn how to deliver a punch as well as a message. And then he gets solar-powered jet propulsion wings. And he can psychically link up with birds from around the globe and use their eyes for surveillance, even get their help at times. And he becomes such a pivotal member of the Avengers that when the time comes, he is the one chosen to step into Captain America's boots. And finally, I give you Anthony Mackie, bringing the Falcon to life with the perfect balance of baggage and swagger that makes even a decent portrayal of the mighty man of steel seem like a glass of milk compared to a fine bourbon with a caramel aftertaste. All right. And Lisa, Superman. I feel like mentioning bourbon is a blatant attempt to pander mm. to at least one of the judges. <laughs> Nevertheless. Credit for pandering. All right. Move Possibly along. too. <laughs> Nevertheless, Superman is awesome because he represents the best of humanity since he has deliberately chosen to embrace humanity. He's always aware of how alien he is, and he's chosen instead to take that which has made him alien and use it to try to forge a connection to his adopted world and people and to selflessly serve them. It's easy to think of Superman as being too perfect, but what we should focus on instead is the isolation at the beating heart of his character and how he carries that isolation constantly. His entire life is an effort to connect with the people he's not of or from in a place he's not of or from, and he shoulders responsibilities he doesn't have to in the name of, of trying to forge a simple person-to-person -person connection. So his appeal doesn't come from his perfection, but from the struggle that he silently lives and never complains about. While your Batmans are all, you killed my parents, I'm a creature of the night, I fume with the limitations of humanity. Superman is all, well, you guys have limits. Mine are slightly past yours. I'll bridge that difference. He's awesome because he hides in plain sight as Clark Kent. And it's a burden to love something as much as human Superman loves humanity and to be so sure that you can't be wholly loved back that you have to split the best parts of yourself into two different conflicting identities. And finally, the thing that makes him so powerful is he always chooses to do what's right over doing what's easy or what's, e or what's easily within his grasp. <clears throat> his strength of character is far, far stronger than any physical strength could be. And it's inspiring because it comes from somebody who will always be a stranger in a strange land. He's quintessentially American. He's the quintessential immigrant story. He's, he's an American in that he loves America, he protects the nation of opportunity, and he'll never be fully embraced by the people he so desperately wants to become one of. All right, thank you, Lisa. At one point there, I got a little confused about why Batman was suddenly in there, but you know, you both. I, I was a little. I was. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, a little. A little anti-Batman mm. sentiment thrown in there. Okay, so the, it's here's a red some comments. Herring. Here's some comments from the listeners. Um, I hate Superman. Superman is boring. Uh, also, we heard I'm not a Superman <laughs> fan, but isn't the Falcon just a guy with a jetpack? Uh, some several people pointed out that in the latest uh, Marvel release, uh, the Falcon is beaten. A uh, the Falcon is beaten by Ant Man. Uh, <laughs> uh, voting against Superman would be like cursing God. Um, because you don't have con con uh, because you at the incomparable don't have conversations about Christian symbolism about the Falcon, and if you did, no one would care. And finally, I don't care. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> and, and finally, I don't care. Neither of them is Batman. Uh, judges, uh, Steve, what do you think? Well, noted that the Falcon is the first African-American hero. That's, uh, that's worth something, although my strict oath of office prevents me from being influenced by that. Uh, that said, he is a badass. I do like the Falcon quite a bit. Um, 
I note that neither side in this argument chose to present much of a con argument, with the exception of Lisa Schmeiser, who actually pre- presented a con argument for Batman. That seems a bit <laughs> odd. That's, some, that's a strange bit of misdirection. It's kind of messed with my head. But still, Falcon is just a bit too much of an underdog in this one. I have to go Superman. All right, Phil? The one girl raises some interesting points. <laughs> Wait, which one? But the other girl uh, raises some interesting points, too. <laughs> there was mention of bourbon. <laughs> there was an unwarranted attack on Batman. <laughs> yep. Christopher Reeve once yelled at me. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with Falcon. Wow. All right. <laughs> We do. There was a tally there, and in the end, it just was a little bit on Falcon's side. So we have to leave this to the to the uh, listeners. Um, this is not one of the biggest margins, surprisingly, but hmm. the listeners did vote by sixty eight percent to move Superman, the favorite, through. So Superman moves on uh, the, on the vote of the listeners on to the next round. But well fought by the Falcon, I think. We're going to move on to the next round now, uh, a really tight matchup between number five seed Doctor Strange, who will be argued by Shannon, and number four seed The Tick, who will be ar- argued by Dan. Shannon, uh, Doctor Strange, slight underdog to The Tick here. You may go first. Tell us about Doctor Strange. Okay. On the one hand, Doctor Strange is a perfect example of redemption. He's an egotistical neurosurgeon. He loses the necessary iron control of his hands to nerve damage in a car accident and sets off on a quest for a cure, moving into more esoteric territory all the time. His superhero potential is born when he rescues a mystic guru from an assassination attempt by his disciple and goes on to apply his towering intellect to the secrets of sorcery and use his knowledge to fight evil. On the other hand, Doctor Strange presides over a setting that is Marvel Comics to the extreme, dazzlingly surreal and a glorious mismatch of every known angle of legendary magic and mythology. Even for a universe where Norse gods walk around having shawarma and flinging coffee mugs, Doctor Strange stands apart as he invokes his mystic powers. And yet, he angsts with the best of Marvel, punishing himself every time he must resort to black magic in order to do good. And... Uh, honestly, when it comes to my opponent, the intellect for me wins every time. Uh, big blue and dreadfully misusing his one power of oratory doesn't work for me. Um, so finally, when you can get someone like Benedict Cumberbatch to play you in your very own major motion picture, in spite of your very 70s cloak of levitation and a wand of watoom, you're commanding respect from somewhere. All right, Dan, uh, the tick. The Tick, indeed. Six foot six, 230 pounds, with uh, super strength, and let's not forget, he's nigh invulnerable. Uh, the Tick is, is pretty much one of the best superheroes ever, and, and that, to me, relies on sort of just his the childlike wonder with which he sees the world. Uh, because there is nothing that the Tick cannot find some manner of joy in, to my mind. Um, Personally, uh, you know, he's he's proved himself to be a uh, a superhero that has an ability to get along with other superheroes, whether it be his sidekick, Arthur, uh, or the variety of other superheroes that he meets uh, in his in his various adventures. Um, 
including uh, Deflator Mouse and uh, American Maid. Um, and so I have to say that my personal favorite thing, I mean, that when it comes down to the tickets, how can you really argue with a guy whose battle cry is Spoon? I mean, to me, that just sums it up. And, and as for Dr. Doctor Strange, well, he's no Dr. Fate is all I'm saying. All right. <laughs> Uh, I have a few notes from the listeners to share here uh, on the uh, the ledger for Doctor Strange. We hear mustache is greater than spoon. Um, also, Doctor Strange understands that it is not the spoon that bends. It is only yourself. A little Matrix crossover there. Um, several people wrote in to say spoon. Also, because the tick is Jason's favorite. That's and There may be some truth in that. And then finally, um, this parody of a tournament needs a parody for its champion. And Sorcerer Supreme sounds like a menu item served at Taco Bell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Now, is uh, that an argument for or against him? I, I leave that up to the to the judges and everyone else to think about in their hearts. Oh no, uh, Steve. What what do you think? <laughs> I think Sorcerer Supreme would probably contain ground beef, maybe some cheese, some not some, a Taco Bell lettuce. Yeah. And either uh, a corn t- a tortilla or a um, or a flour tortilla. Well, that's, that's the right sorcerer. There. But then if you add the sour cream and the guacamole, it becomes yeah. a sorcerer supreme. We got to well, drown it in something. Literally everything at Taco Bell is made of the, the same ingredients. Mm-hmm. Kangaroo meat. Sounds delicious, <laughs> though. Uh, listen, the, the word picture that Shannon painted there was gorgeous. I am very impressed with her uh, her advocacy for Doctor Strange. Uh, I like his quest for redemption. I like the hero whose uh, whose intellect is emphasized over uh, potentially, you know, brute strength. Uh, although getting Benedict Cumberbatch to play him isn't really much of a point in his favor, since you can get, frankly, Benedict Cumberbatch to play a summer squash. That dude will play anything. <laughs> Um, the tick's strength, interestingly, is somewhat the opposite of intellect, childlike wonder. He finds joy in things, which I think is great. Um, although I I think Dan could have earned some extra points if finding joy in all things, he had not presented a con instead of taking the low blow about Dr. Fate. Um, ultimately my love of Taco Bell has to point me in the direction of Dr. Strange. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's a sentence we've all heard a million times. Yeah, that that listener's <laughs> comment really backfired. <laughs> like what happens when you eat Taco Bell. <laughs> okay, Phil? Like Steve, I was moved by, by Shannon's argument. However, The Tick has brought me so much pleasure over the years, be it the um, animated series, be it the live-action series. Doctor Strange, I just learned of his existence five minutes ago. <laughs> that's, that's weird because he went through on a previous round of this very tournament there, for which you were silence. a judge. I no don't rec- listen no to the show, Monty. No <laughs> I barely remember your name. <laughs> well, that, that's going around tonight. I think well. that it will have to be the tick. The tick now, the tick forever. Mm. Well, I, I love the tick dearly as well. Um, I, unfortunately, the listeners do not share my view. The, Doctor the Strange, listeners are jerks. The Doctor Strange, I agree, Phil. The listeners are jerks, at least the 59% of them who voted for Doctor Strange. 59% of you should just over the tick. stick your head. I demand a recount. Roller. All right. Uh, that was a hard-fought, hard-fought battle. I was certain that would go the other way. Yep. May I approach the bench, sir? I'm going to go sulk in my tent like some guy from Chile. In the previous two rounds... 
Advocate Shannon Sutterth has um, exp- has advocated on behalf of her characters based in part on how hot she thinks they are. As her husband, I am feeling inadequate and I must request that you enjoin her. Hey, you have your list too, dude. I'll do no such thing, sir. Please return <laughs> to your seat. I, I will not enjoin her because I don't find them particularly hot myself. Yeah, just, Chip, you should, uh, if you do, do some pull-ups while you're podcasting. Yeah, that maybe hang out with some radioactive insects. Yeah. You know? yeah. You never know get a jetpack, Chip. Get a jetpack. Practice that... Uh, Practice that Lauren Green impression that I hear you've been working on. You are with. three feet from a spider right now. Get to it. <laughs> the power is in your hands or walls or something. Mm-hmm. This is the most concentrated relationship advice I have ever received. Right. Also the worst. <laughs> with great judging, power Tony, we're not comes judging. an extremely itchy spider bite. Just Some FYI. Moving on to Just the take next, your shirt off. Our next matchup, we have number 11, the Invisible Woman, Sue Storm Richards, uh, who's going to be advocated by Lisa, against number three, the Flash. This Flash is the Barry Allen Flash, who will be argued by Tony. Yeah, Lisa, please tell us about the Invisible Woman. You could argue, of course, that she deserves to go to the next round because the, the woman deserves something after years of being married to Reed Richards and preventing him from taking over the world through some misguided paternalistic but science, Sue, scheme that he's come up with. Because if we've established anything, it's that Reed Richards is a jerk. However, um, the real reason that Sue Storm rocks the house is because um, – she has, of course, hard to become invisible, which is incredibly useful from a tactical perspective. She's got an invisible force field, which can be used for both offensive and defensive capabilities. And again, want to stress invisible. So uh, very potent, especially in battles with alien races. But the real reason that she she is she should be correctly regarded as one of the heavy hitters in Marvel is her tremendous strength of character. She's the beating heart of the Fantastic Four family. And she's unswervingly dedicated to protecting the weak and creating a more just world. That's a lot of yourself to give to two very big, very fractious causes. And most of the time, Sue holds herself to really rigorous ethical standards. She argues those standards. She's um, argued them with and against the X-Men. She's argued them with and against various Avengers. She's even like left her husband at, at times when she thought, when she thought he was out of hand. And she's also resisted the uh, advances of Namor for, for decade upon decade now, which is kind of difficult because he's basically the Ryan Lochte of Atlantis. He could give her <laughs> kingdoms and abs that she could grate cheese on and the quality of not being Reed Richards. And she always resists this to fight the good fight on the land. Um, you know, Sue fights to hold things things through constantly instead of reacting emotionally and instinctively, which is a surprisingly rare quality in the Marvel universe. She's basically Aristotelian. She's the golden mean in, in her, her morals, her ethics, and her actions. And it could almost be said that her real superpower is is being invisible for that her brand of selfless leadership helps other people thrive. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Tony, tell us about Barry Allen, The Flash. Um. So, you know, I, I don't have anything against the Invisible Woman. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, I kind of feel like they gave out the really cool um, powers in the Fantastic Four first and then tried to come up with stuff for her. And they're like, well, invisibility is not enough. So how about you get to do force fields and psychic waves and stuff? And, you know, I, I feel like they didn't really give her a fair shake. And basically her greatest superpower is that she can tolerate Reed Richards. Um, 
And <laughs> I, I feel like this. I feel like mo- I, I feel like all of these these superhero rounds eventually degenerate into. Let's talk about how much we hate yeah. Reed Richards. And Andy Anadko is very very angry out there. Somewhere. You will be judged by the company you keep. Please 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 conti- please tell us um, about more about the Flash, Tony. The Flash. Well, specifically Barry Allen, uh, who is lovable. He's fun. Uh, he's another one of these Boy Scout superheroes, but I, I feel like his his version of the Boy Scout superhero is a, a little bit more noble and and altruistic than even Superman. I mean, I, I you know it's a little bit easier to always do the right thing when you're literally invincible and all powerful. And you know, the Flash is certainly a very powerful superhero, but he has uh, he has some limitations, and he he you know he feels pain, for example, in a, in a lot of the iterations. Um, I, I have been a devoted follower of the Church of Batman for a long time, uh, but in the last year, I have I have. I've left the Flash into my heart uh, through the Flash TV series, and I've also read a lot of the Flash comics and in the last year. And, and Barry Allen is just – he's really great. I really like his sense of humor uh, because usually a sense of humor in a comic book hero is like the, the jackass antihero sense of humor. Sorry, Lobo and Deadpool and those guys, but I, I don't really care for you. Um, and, and Barry Allen is, is kind of just – fun and, and lighthearted and humorous and just a sincere, great uh, hero who I just think he's just a nice guy and I want him to win at everything he does. All right. Um, our uh, listeners uh, echoed some of what uh, Lisa said about uh, superpower of living with Mr. Fantastic and ab- ability to tolerate <laughs> Namer. Um, one one, one uh, pointed note from a listener said, I have no need for the Flash. And uh, and another listener making Goodness. citing the very strong ar- actor argument that Grant Grant Gustin is greater than Jessica Alba, which you know pulling out Jessica Alba uh, that's strong. Well, actor comparisons get tricky fast. Yeah, I'll also mention it's in the Justice League animated series. The Flash in that version is called Wally West, but I it feel I mean it's clearly like an amalgamated version because he's kind of I would say he's more of a Barry Allen Flash than even though the character is Wally West. All right, so. uh, let's go to the judges on this. Uh, Phil, what do you say? This has been the most troubling um, debate that I've heard thus far tonight. Um, With the exception of the shots at Reed Richards, which are fantastic, and I hope those (laughs) keep coming throughout the evening. Um, Ms. Schmeiser uh, fails to say one negative word about uh, uh, Barry Allen, despite this being um, one of the requirements of the round. One, One wonders if she is protecting her her sweet podcast corner of the earth. <laughs> there's there's but, Brandon to consider. <laughs> but by doing that, uh, on the other hand, uh, the other guy said some things about uh, <laughs> uh, kind of backhanded stuff about Sue Storm. Kind of <sighs> tough, tough, tough call. I am going to. Oh, yeah, Church of. He's the Church of Batman. He's the the Church of the Flash. Pick a side, sir. There can only uh, the, be one. The, the side is justice, a league mm. of justice. He's a polytheist. What do you want? Yeah. yeah. I don't see why you can't be a polytheist in the DC universe. Yeah, I mean, there are literally several. Well, gods. on that note, yeah. then, since uh, Lisa has defended her opponent, I uh, rule in favor of Barry Allen. All right. Oh, uh, Steve. my God. You've ruled against me twice in one night, Michaels. <laughs> wow. Ooh. I'm glad you're in separate rooms. You may have to stay there. Uh, Steve, what are your rulings? Well, it seems like a lot of the argument in favor of Invisible Girl Woman is, <laughs> is, based, is, silent. is based on the fact that we should pity her. 
I believe that's Invisible Girl, You'll Be an Invisible Woman Soon. (laughs) (laughs) However, piss-poor judgment in husbands does not earn one extra consideration, as you, Ms. Schmeiser, are no doubt aware. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) I have a few things to say about this. (laughs) Judge fight! Can the, can the judges rule against each other? <laughs> I cannot be swayed to pity Sue Storm Richards based entirely on that. Uh, however, what does sway me to pity her is uh, is is Mr. Sindelar's argument that uh, the character was not given a fair shake with her powers, which is rich coming from somebody who's advocating a character whose entire power is he's real fast. So I have to go with Sue Storm Richards as a uh, as a minor pity vote. Okay, well that that uh, that splits the judges, and leads to uh, the the people's voice being heard. The people in the closest vote of all of the matchups, the people it wasn't that close. It was still fifteen fifty seven percent for Barry Allen as the Flash. Wow, the Flash moves on that. to the next round. That was that seven percent ceiling that's, remains that's, intact. That's TV. If, if Su- Su- wrong, that's the power of TV and flash. and the negative power of Jessica Alba, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we move on to uh, number seven, Ghost Rider, who's going to be argued by Phil Moselak, uh, versus number two, The Hulk, who will be on, argued by Monty Ashley Mose. You may go first. Tell us about Ghost Rider. Well, first of all, it would seem. That I am the underdog in this, but I'm really not. Because I will actually, again, use the cage defense in saying that any actor who has played the Hulk has never gotten an Oscar. Oh, Nick Cage has. Oh, look at that. So I'm going to nullify that right there. First of all, Ghost Rider is a motorcycle hero immortalized by song by the suicide, then remade by Henry Rollins. He's got an iconic look. You look at Ghost Rider and you see this guy on fire with a skull just completely ablaze. It's awesome. The Hulk is a roar, is, is just a boring rage slog. Purple pants? Really? Come on. Let's get real. And, uh, you know, look, Nick Cage, I'm going to still pull it out. I mean, he's got he's the he's the best actor of all the uh, actors that have played uh, with that guy, the green guy. That's hmm. it. All right, interesting argument there. We're going to move to uh, your counterpart, Mr. Monty Ashley, to talk about that green guy, the Hulk. Monty, thank you, Jason. Uh, first, I will remind the judges: uh, Hulk, of course, smash. Hmm? Uh, but not only does Hulk smash, Hulk think. Remember, (laughs) (laughs) go on. Hulk isn't just the strongest creature in the universe. He also turns into a puny, super smart scientist sometimes. That's fun. And sometimes Hulk is both strong and smart because they look, to be honest, I'm making my argument as weak as possible because I don't want Hulk to smash up puny little motorcycle man. I feel bad for puny little motorcycle man. He's a demon. He can he can outlive the Hulk any day of the week. Sorry. I'm sorry. Order. Order. This outburst will not, not be tolerated. Order. No. No, no, that that's all right. As the Hulk's uh 
advocate. I am fully aware of the importance of giving vent to whatever momentary rages uh, infest <laughs> your body. Burn. In conclusion, there was See? a time when burn. Hulk... Ghostwriter burn. There was a time when the Hulk went off to a separate planet because he'd smashed up everything on this planet. <laughs> and on that other planet, he smashed up everything there. Ghost Rider, on the other hand, is Ghost Rider. <laughs> All right. Wow. Very good. Really, really busted out the tautologies early on. Yeah, that <laughs> was strong. That was strong. Um, smash tautologies. <laughs> uh, listener said, Mark Ruffalo, greater than Nicolas Cage. Uh, Hulk smash. Wrong. Uh, don't care, neither is Batman. This is a running theme. And uh, Hulk represents the struggle of our inner demons. Ghost Rider is a man with a burning skull on a motorcycle. So there you go. I take that for what it's worth, Steve. Ghost Rider represents the inner struggle of how hard it is to get motorcycle insurance when you're a flaming skull. Mm. A tale as old as time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I sense that these two advocates went to the same law school. <laughs> <laughs> they've, been, they, yes, they've been enemies for a long time. Hmm. Well, it, it's interesting to go with the Cage defense. I agree. I mean, it's 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 irrefutable fact that Cage has an Oscar. It is also irrefutable fact that not the bees, not the bees. <laughs> Cage. That said, oh, and and I also I don't take kindly as the owner of several pair of purple pants to your uh, your your anti purple pants bias uh, advocate. You were against the, the orange. Uh shirt and the yeah, and the green pants but neither of these things uh are really going to play into my my ultimate decision the thing that will play into my ultimate decision in the end is the fact that the hulk uh well that's fun that's fun the hulk is fun i'm swayed by that argument i'm going with the hulk all right phil what do you say I wish to focus on this actor argument. Nick Cage, yes, has won an Oscar. He did that before he was reduced, reduced, mind you, to playing Ghost Rider. Have other actors, uh, is Nick Cage better than other actors who played the Hulk? I point you to Bill Bixby, who mm. starred in Clambake with Elvis Presley. Nick <laughs> Cage true. has not been in an Elvis Presley movie. Nick Cage has done a poor imitation of Elvis Presley in many movies. The judgment here is for the Hulk. Uh, that's 2 nothing for the Hulk. I'll also point out uh, a 2015 Oscar nominee, although he didn't win Mark Ruffalo. So post-Hulk. Uh, the Hulk uh, got 85% of the popular vote. They agree <laughs> broadly with the judges. Let's go to the electoral cause. That the Hulk is... <laughs> yeah, uh, all precincts re- reporting in the Hulk has, has that one in the bag. Um, Broward I think- County has yet to report. I think, in Al fact, Gord. that that might be our biggest margin of victory was the Hulk. I will reveal that now. That's right. The Hulk, not Batman, who comes now. Number one seed, Batman, who will be argued by Tony, an acolyte in the Church of Batman. And number eight seed, Black Widow, who will be argued by Lisa. Lisa, you may go first. Tell us about the Black Widow. The Black Widow is as mentally tough as Batman because, like Batman, her strength of character was forged and lost. But unlike Batman, she's had to reconstruct her personality because her handlers took it all away, and she's had to do it without any of the advantages that Batman has enjoyed as wealthy playboy Bruce Wayne. The Black Widow knows that the hardest thing to do is to rebuild yourself from the ground up, and the person Natalia Romanova chooses to be is remarkable. She chooses to be competent, 
loyal and intent on doing penance for her earlier actions. She's also very pragmatic, which is an admirable and little seen trait in superheroes. We need more realpolitik in our superheroes. She brings it in spades. Also, she's resourceful, she's quiet, she's efficient, and she and she's an excellent team player, not some weird loner in a cave. In fact, it's Black Widow's relationships with others that have helped her discover her own humanity and helped her to bring out the best in other people, often in paradoxical situations. Her ability to bring out the best in others while discovering the best in herself has made her a powerful and effective superhero. You have somebody whose greatest superpowers reside between her ears. She can do espionage. She can do infiltration. She can do extraction. She's excellent at the long view. She's excellent at planning ahead. She's excellent at improvising in a pinch. In a 21st century world, she has the skills you need to excel at the superhero game. All right, Tony, talk to us about Batman. I would like to cite uh, my earlier argument, which I believe is also cited heavily by the listeners in the poll, which is he's Batman. Yes. Uh, Several hundred so. listeners gave he, because he's Batman as their reasoning. Mm-hmm. That's so original. That's entirely original. So, um, so I mean, I, I, I do think Black Widow is great. I, I think Black Widow is probably the most interesting character in the Avengers and that she deserves her own movie or three. Uh, but Batman is Batman. Uh, I To me, you know, he is the most iconic uh, superhero out there. And, you know, not everyone's a big fan of Batman. Some people criticize that uh, because Bruce Wayne is not interesting. Batman is not interesting. And Bruce Wayne is not that interesting. Bruce Wayne basically exists for tax purposes uh, because <laughs> so that Batman can pay for all his stuff. Um, because Batman Filing is... Filing a 1040 that says Batman on it. <laughs> Just a lot of red flags. That's a lot of red flags. Waiting to happen. Another economic argument. Yep. It's the Swiss bank um, account of superhero alter egos. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Batman Batman is crazy, right? I mean, Batman is someone who is dealing with things and, and not in the right way. Uh, but that way gets results. Uh, you know, he is the world's greatest detective. Uh, and he does do a lot of brooding and threatening to p- throw people off rooftops and sometimes throwing people off of, you know, not too high rooftops so that they get really hurt but not killed because that's important. Um, but Batman is just amazing. There's tons of Batman media out there and you can throw out the the horrible stuff and there's still uh, tons of, of stuff out, out there that's good. Uh, honestly, I think the, the opening credits of the Batman animated series, it's like a minute, is better than about 40% of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um and 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 Batman is great. Batman be with you. In addition, thank you, and also with you, Tony. Um, the um, in addition to the five hundred people who said because he's Batman, I had two other comments I wanted to float out here from the listeners. One simply said Ben Affleck versus Scarlett Johansson. Come on. And another said Black Widow's parents are dead too, but you don't hear her crying about it. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some comments from the oh, listeners. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> thing. Um, My goodness. Too soon. Too soon. Let's say we'll go with, to uh, Phil here. Phil, what do you think? Val Kilmer. Ben Affleck. Adam West. My Batman is Kevin Conroy. So that is that's my mm. my worldview. Interesting. Michael Keaton. Interesting counter argument. I enjoy watching Black Widow. I have to grit my teeth to watch Batman. And I, I couldn't help but notice that Mr. Um, Mr. Mr. Sindelar, uh <laughs> had much praise for Black Widow in his argument. And no con, I might add. No con, no. I, you know, my con is that, that she is not Batman, So, which is really a con I, I share about a lot of people in the world. Every day I, I walk through my life unhappy that the people around me are not yet Batman. 
Never will be Actually, at the that, current rate. That would be pretty bad. Actually. I've watched many episodes of Gotham before I finally gave up on the show. You uh, know what the problem with that show is? Not enough Batman. Mm, no, I blame that show on Batman. The it's got some other here. problems. Too. You may have some silence, problems. animal. The ruling here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That feels better than when he says my name wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Toby. The ruling here. <laughs> the sad part is saying animal was his saying your last name wrong. Is for Black Widow. Oh, Steve, what do you have? Willis and I got to tell you, I'm so, <laughs> so sick of Batman. Oh, he's everywhere, man. The Batman market is oversaturated, just like zombies. Everywhere you look, you can't throw a freaking rock without hitting Batman or some terrible Batman clone or some animated series. Steve, did you know some... that you're, you're never more than three feet away from Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I have noticed that. Yes, thank you. Point of order, I think oh. you can throw a rock without hitting a Batman because Batman probably would yeah, like, he... dodge a rock. Yeah, right? in fact, Killer Croc tried that. Uh... Uh, okay. And that origin story. Oh, poor whiny billionaire inherited his riches a little early. Boo-hoo. He's got a butler to wipe his nose and any other orifice that happens to drip. <sighs> Batman. Do it. Do it. Come on, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little creepy, Mose. <laughs> still, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. I still got to go with Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that puts it in the hands of the listeners. Oh, I feel pretty safe. As I, as I said, I, I quoted all the negative things about about Batman, and he did not receive the highest vote total. Uh, however, it was still seventy three percent of the vote for Batman. <laughs> Batman moves on to the next round, but it was well fought with the Black Widow. I thought I thought for a moment it was going to happen, mm -hmm. but. Alas, it did not. Um, Thanks, predictable nerds. That's the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Tony Sindelar is back. He's going to be talking what? about Daredevil. Oh and Daredevil God. is going up against number 13 seed upset winner Moon Knight, who will be argued <laughs> by Dan Moore. And Dan, give us some Moon Knight. All right. Well, we I feel like we covered a lot of a, a rich ground in round one. But let me remind you that Moon Knight, he's freaking crazy. Uh, and I don't mean that in the way that, like, yeah, Batman's working through his anxiety issues and his, like, abandonment by his parents. Moon Knight's got multiple personalities, including, like, a dead Egyptian god who's made of, like, bones and is a bird. And then other personalities that are, like, Wolverine and Spider-Man. <laughs> so, dude, legitimately, clinically insane. Um, also well known for the fact that he's pretty brutal. Uh, I do enjoy his description of his fighting style as someone who would rather take a punch than dodge one. Um, so he just kind of throws himself into things with abandon. Um, the fact that he operates under a variety of different pseudonyms and, you know, sort of just kind of wanders around without really a mission. He's kind of attempting to do good, but at the same time, I don't think he's, this, this is the kind of well-adjusted guy you want as your barometer for that thing. Um, so in, in short, he's insane, but it's kind of delightful to watch. Um, and while I have nothing but the utmost respect for, for Matt Murdock, who has, you know, obviously achieved a law degree despite his disability... I also have to question the fact that a you know a guy who is heralded as a, a superhero who is disabled, basically his superpower is that he can still see, um, which seems kind of insulting to me. Um, also, kind of insulting Ben Affleck as Daredevil. Uh, blow, blow, man. I rest my case. All right, Tony. Yeah, I you know I I am 
I feel a little bad talking talking bad about Batman. Or I'm sorry, Moon Knight Marvel's <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Ouch! Well played. Um, and you know, I I think I I think I like Moon Knight, but I actually don't really know much about Moon Knight. For example, I cannot name Moon Knight's secret identity. Dan probably can. He's done the research, but I feel like I should be able to name one, which, which at least one? one, because he's got more than one, and I can't name any of them. Are there pamphlets um, from the Church of Moon Knight that could be handed out at this point? So uh, I believe he has rabbinical training, so the answer is yes. Oh, excellent. Uh, so I mean, because my, my my main my main counter argument is who is Moon Knight? Uh, because I think most people are not familiar with Moon Knight. Even I think you have to you have to kind of dig deep in the in the comic shelves to find some Moon Knight. Uh, and on the other side of the equation, uh, we have Daredevil, uh, the man without fear. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, a love for characters who are doing well in their current media properties, and and Daredevil is killing it in the in the in the Netflix show. Um, it's a great show. I recommend to everybody. Uh, and Daredevil is you know he, he is he's this kind of real street level. Uh, gutsy hero who basically one of his superpowers is like he'll take a beating and still get back up um you know saving hell's kitchen from all kinds of strange things that are happening in a 10 block radius near his house um and he's also by day a a lawyer with a heart of gold um yes he has been played by ben affleck but we you know ben affleck at this point has played a lot of heroes or will have uh so you know we can't hold that too much against him uh so i think you know moonlight has maybe a lot of potential but it has not been realized to the extent that Daredevil has, and Daredevil will continue to be as the show goes forward. So, Daredevil all the way. All right, here's some uh, some listener feedback. Um, not only is Daredevil much better, he has much better enemies like the Kingpin. Who are Moon Knight's enemies? Lunar landing denialists. <laughs> um, another another listener writes in, "Who is Moonlight?" <laughs> <laughs> That, that's embarrassing. <laughs> another another <laughs> listener writes in Moon Knight because he's Batman. And finally, <laughs> Moon Knight, really? Anyway, those are the listener comments. About well, well, I feel those were an unf- unfairly skewed <laughs> yeah, listener were there, comments. Were there any pro Moon Knight? I feel like because he's Batman. Should... That was a pro Moon Knight because uh, he's Batman. Do you have anything better to submit on behalf of Egyptian Moon, Knight? moon God Khonshu? Uh, afraid, Come on, There's I'm so afraid options. the listeners don't. Uh, Steve, what are you, what's your ruling? Read Daredevil. One questions: Should Hell's Kitchen be saved? What is the point know, of that? I mean, people people live there. Yeah, what, or people dying. It's where yeah, Daredevil's where house is. Yeah, I mean, people live there. Steve Gordon Ramsay's got to eat. <laughs> also, uh, the the whole lawyer with a well heart done, of Monty. gold uh, uh, storyline that that uh, beggars belief as well. <laughs> Wow. Now, uh, Your Honor, where did you go to law school before coming on? Sorry, Silence. <laughs> there are continuity errors in this courtroom. Regarding Moon Knight. <laughs> that just makes it appropriate for the source material. Yeah. We'll retcon this all. It'll be fine. Mr. Morin, you, you point out that Moon Knight is frickin' crazy, I believe the phrase was. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with did that. Did you say frickin'? Oh, no. I, I said yes. Okay. Just wanted to verify. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's interesting because in the previous round, Tony said very much the same thing about Batman. Yeah, that's that's yeah. child's play. You also mentioned uh, he's somewhat brutal in the way he dispatches his enemies. That, too, sounds suspiciously mm. like Batman. You know how much I love Batman? <laughs> I mean, you voted for him. You know, I mean, he's... He, on the other hand, I gotta go with Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I mean, how can you not go with Moon Knight? All right. Fair enough. No <laughs> money changed hands, everybody. No money changed hands. Phil Michaels, what 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 say you? Mr. Sinclair has a funny habit <laughs> of oh, really defending Ben Affleck characters. <laughs> you, you deal the hand you're dealt, Your Honor. On the other hand, this court stands in admira- uh, high admiration for Moon Knight and her portrayal as Punky Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's Salam Moon Frog. No, no, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I can't believe you did that, Phil. <laughs> and Jerry, you were in on this too. Some walk by night, some walk by day. Moon Knighting strangers who get lost on the way. I vote for Moon Knight. <laughs> yes. Are you sure you don't have any oh more 1980s <laughs> television? God, I hope I don't have to judge the next round because uh, I got nothing. Literally no other way for me to win that. Everybody's favorite Moon Knight moves on to the next round <laughs> where we will have the, the most perplexing matchup oh of all time God. where Moon Knight will face Batman. The <laughs> listeners... Uh, the listeners voted 82% for Daredevil. <laughs> well, they were wrong. That is a, I, I, I'm just, I object. This is a miscarriage mm. in every shape or form. You know, what, losing what feels listeners? bad, but I kind of want to live in a crazy world where Moon Knight goes all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Delighted. Just want to see Batman versus Batman. We move on to the next round. Uh, number six seed, Barbara Gordon, who is Batgirl and Oracle, will be advocated by Shannon against uh, number three seed, Green Arrow, who will be advocated by her husband, Chip. Shannon gets to go first. It's an in- Yes, that's right. It's an in-house <laughs> battle between Batgirl and Green Arrow. Shannon, what do you have for us? <laughs> While the reason for the creation of the Barbara Gordon Batgirl is rooted in the 1960s Batman TV show pursuing more female viewers, hear that, Marvel? Seedier merchandising. Creators seized their chance and created a comics origin story that draws the young woman into superheroing by having her fulfill every cosplayer's secret dream. Dressed as a female Batman for a party, she prevents an attempted kidnapping of Bruce Wayne. She then rises to the occasion for all female fans by ignoring Batman as he tells her that women shouldn't be crime fighters. And her day job? That would be Dr. Gordon, head of Gotham City Public Library. But above all, Batgirl is one of the coolest superheroes ever because more than any other character, her creators have been able to make lemonade out of lemons repeatedly. Get shot by the Joker as a plot device because Alan Moore was bored? She becomes Oracle, the Justice League's super Google and hacker in residence, part of the Birds of Prey team, and a role model for readers dealing with disability. Healed by super science surgery because of a desperate company-wide reboot? There's the chance to examine mental health issues like PTSD and survivor's guilt. And her latest turn going once again for that PhD while battling the forces of evil shows a character that can adapt to society shifts and remain relevant, as well as an icon, iconic character for girls, Batman readers, and all comic geeks. Flat out, she's smart, she's capable, she's fierce, and no matter what life happens, what life throws at her, she just keeps on going. And, you know, Green Arrow... Shoot stuff with with arrows. <laughs> with arrows. Hmm. It's in the name. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Shannon. Chip, uh, you can speak about uh, Green Arrow now. Once again, I feel like I'm at a grave disadvantage against my opponent, Mr. Sindelar. 
Um, <laughs> hey, not Tony. Well, we're learning some creepy things about Chip tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but not Tony. I thought the, I thought the Lauren Green thing was weird, but this is uh, beyond the pale. I feel like this episode's going to be extra confusing for all the people who think we all sound the same. So. Mm. <laughs> Green Arrow was created back in 1941, if you can believe it, and he was basically Batman with a bow. He had an arrow car. He had an aeroplane. He was a billionaire playboy. You take a look at him like every five or ten years after that, all the way up to 2015, he is like unrecognizable each time. He's been so he's been reinvented so many times. He was comics's first genuinely leftist hero. Um, he used to have a thing for boxing glove arrows, and then he gave them up, and he became a grim longbow hunter. Um, he's had a Robin Hood goatee. He's been Stephen Amell. He's one of the few comic book heroes not named Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman that kept being published when superheroes imploded back in the 50s. So I ask you, why is he so persistent? Why does he keep being reinvented instead of just them just putting him away for a couple of decades? Because it is simple as this. Archery is bloody cool. It's even cooler when you're not Hawkeye. And this archer can shoot an arrow down a pistol shaft. And in closing, I will point out, Arrow is going into its fourth season on television, and Birds of Prey, featuring Oracle, was canceled after 13 episodes. Wow. There's a lot, oh, lot, lot, to un, lot, to un, lot to unpack there. From the listeners, we had these comments. Uh, Boxing Glove Arrow is all you need to know. I think that's anti-Green Arrow. Uh, another listener wrote, Arrows, seriously? Uh, computers, way more relevant than bows and arrows. Uh, another mm. listener said, I already voted for Lady Hawkeye. We've fulfilled our arrow quota. She did lose, by the way. <laughs> um, another listener wrote, he shoots arrows. And another listener simply said, arrows <laughs> those are the <laughs> listeners comments uh let's move on to <laughs> phil hmm it is a challenging challenging debate on the one hand we have barbara gordon who cannot pick a uh alter ego vacillates wavers don't like that on the other hand we have green arrow who is just um the poor man's hawkeye and Hawkeye is a very poor man indeed. <laughs> is Hawkeye a poor man himself? I, I enjoy the fact that um, there was some slagging off of uh, Oracle at the end of um, not Tony's argument. <laughs> uh, I say bad Oracle. All right. Steve? Okay. Let's see here. I don't know. I, I was listening to uh, to the Oracle uh, advocacy, and I don't know. There's something about um, the voice of this, this particular advocate. It uh, It's mesmerizing. I, there was something about cosplayers, and there was something about lemonade, and um, <laughs> I, I, I really have no idea what was said, but I don't know what National Park Visitor Center educational film I stumbled into, but I want to watch it, man. That is... <laughs> That is some top-notch advocacy. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Green Arrow. The con <laughs> argument appears to be that Birds of Prey was canceled early. On the WB, that suggests quality to me. <laughs> <laughs> that said, till this day, I was completely unaware that Green Arrow had something called an aeroplane. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. An Aeroplane. Oh. Oh, ha, 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 uh. Right? No? Is that what we're supposed to do? 
I think that's hilarious. He also has an arrow cave. <laughs> that's not a word. Not a pun, though. I find for the aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that uh, that leads this to a uh, a matchup that has to be settled by the listeners. Now, as uh, many of you will know, uh, Arrow, a very popular show on the, the CW, so um, it will come as a complete surprise to everybody that 68% of the listeners voted for Barbara Gordon, who moves on yeah. to the next round. This does not surprise me at all. Barbara Gordon is awesome. I yeah. think she Correct. is awesome. Correct. I, I figured the power of uh, of Arrow would, uh, because if we looked at Arrow in isolation, I think perhaps there'd be a stronger argument. There's there's some rehab going on with Green Arrow, but it is not yet complete. Mm-hmm. We are moving on to number seven, Deadpool, who will be argued by Moe's against number two, Wonder Woman, argued by Shannon. Moe's, you're the underdog with Deadpool. You may go first. I want to see how Ben Affleck gets worked into this argument. He's not. Because how about Nicholas Cage? <laughs> nope. I've I've run out of my reverse defenses, so I, I'm I'm I now have to lead my case uh, to the honorables, and I'm going to do it in in the mo- the way I I, uh, I can. Point, point of order: best. Who who are the honorables? Well, apparently they're you, but we're we're going to go and, and, oh, really? and you and Michaels. Yeah, but you're not you're not going to sing a song here, are you? No. Would have come a long way to Woman, you. Wonder Woman is an icon. She's had tons of years to be an icon. I mean, she's what eighty years old at this point, something like that. She's a part of a the quote trinity of heroes. Great. So, but Deadpool is something slightly new, slightly different. The guy can see into the fourth wall and talk to the actual reader. And might I also remind the court that. Deadpool was responsible for destroying the entire Marvel Universe with the help of Reed Richards, of course. <laughs> um, also, and I think this is my, one of my uh, high points and pillars, if you will. Deadpool beat cancer. And to render a verdict against Deadpool is a verdict for cancer. I rest my case. Okay, Shannon. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Wonder Woman was created at the direction of the gods, is blessed with bountiful gifts from the gods, and is a goddess herself, depending on which point the reader jumps in. In any of these cases, she is the premier superheroine of the DC Universe with a history that is about to hit 75 years. She has spent those years fighting every kind of villain, the Nazi war machine, costumed nemeses, intergalactic aliens, crime bosses, and more. She has gained and lost superpowers in an almost yo-yo fashion, yet continued to pursue justice and peace with whatever weapons are in her arsenal at the time. While not the first female superhero in comics, she is the one who has endured with the most prominence, evolving with the times. She is the icon that inspired generations of girls to be something more and showed generations of boys that women can wield power too. Super smart, super strong, super capable, and yet almost always acting from a position of compassion. Wonder Woman has long surpassed the hopes of her creators to become an undisputable icon of comics. And mind, all of that while mostly wearing a bathing suit and heels. Before we go to the judges, I will read off a couple of comments from our uh, from our listeners. Um, Deadpool is one of the most awful characters in all of comics. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, ah, your honor, Lobo. Ryan oh. Reynolds will not be playing Wonder Woman. 
voting against Wonder Woman would be like swearing at your mom. Deadpool is not a gentleman, and Wonder Woman does not abide rudeness. <laughs> and finally, once Deadpool is caught in the lasso of truth and is forced to admit he uses humor to cover up his own knowledge that he is a one-dimensional, annoying character that never should have continued past the awful 90s, he removes himself from the competition in shame. Those are our comments <laughs> from listeners. Steve, what is your ruling? Can, can, can Advocate Sutterth uh, reassure me that Ryan Reynolds will not be playing Wonder Woman at some point? Ryan Reynolds will never play Wonder Woman. Are you certain of that fact? I am positive. But it would look good. <laughs> no account no, for taste. No, I'm not How exciting was that trailer that leaked? Just remember that. Just remember that. You know what? I don't find Deadpool that annoying. I mean, his, his <laughs> shtick is mostly the wisecracking thing. Um Breaking the fourth like that. wall, that is that is lame in most contexts, but I don't think it's done much in comics. And I think that's I think it's kinda cool that he's sort of the the sole uh talk to the audience character. Um although the fact that he beat cancer and you're proud of that. My mother is a cancer, sir, and uh, I will have you know that Deadpool has never beaten her. <laughs> as far as I know. Uh Deadpool. Just remember, you're <clears throat> for cancer. What to do? What to do? Well, you know what? Answer survivor you know what? I, I, or I keep old going, lady? I keep going back to the fact that uh, that it was that's Wonder goddess Woman, to you. That it was Wonder <laughs> Woman in my youth who uh, who introduced me to the fact that uh, apple hostess fruit pies are delicious and nutritious, and so I have to find for Wonder Woman in right. this case. Finally, precedent is cited at this court. Uh, <laughs> Phil, what is your ruling? Deadpool is perhaps my favorite Dirty Harry movie. <laughs> <laughs> the one with Guns N' Roses in it? Yes. It's quite good. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I the Justice makes a very good point. I wish we had conferred on this before I rendered my decision. I have a series of questions for Shannon. Shannon, yes. would you say that all the world is waiting for Wonder Woman and the power she possesses. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, in her satin tights, is she fighting, fighting for, for my rights, rights and, and the old red, red white, and white, and blue? blue? Yes. Mm. <sighs> Can she stop a bullet cold, Shannon? Absolutely. Can she make the axis fold? She did. She did not. I watched that whole series. Can she change minds as well as change the world? Yes. <laughs> and most importantly, I, I believe this will influence my decision is she a wonder she is a wonder that wonder woman i rule in favor of wonder woman wonder woman moves on to the next round our listeners also agreed with the judges 68 percent of listeners chose wonder woman over deadpool one of the most awful characters in all of comics, according to one. <laughs> I like that bold statement. Moe's, you've got a chance to redeem yourself. You'll be arguing for number one seed in our uh, final region, the Latveria region. I don't know. I still don't know why we're in Latveria. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Bailiff Snell? Yes. We are are now in the Latveria region. Is that correct? We are. We have to stand for the Latveria. Once again, I would like to reiterate that no money has changed yeah. hands. They got the bid after Boston dropped out. All right. No money of any kind. That's right. Thank you. This was going to be in Boston, but they uh, dropped out of the bidding. They didn't want it. They no. didn't want it. Uh, it's a shame, too, because Tony Stark went to MIT. So mm. they could have, but no. no Moe's number one Iron Man, you will be arguing against Dan, who has his work cut out for him, arguing for the world's favorite X-Man, Gambit. Dan, you may go first. Let's emphasize the good things here. 
<laughs> it's a short list. Uh, How dare you? One fuchsia bodysuit. <laughs> keep rolling right through that. <laughs> to the Cajun accent. Oh. I considered doing my entire defense in a Cajun accent. Decided that probably would not help my case. Oh, guaranteed it will. <laughs> some onion, some garlic, some fuchsia bodysuit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yawn. <laughs> Your honor, there's a difference between a Cajun accent and a French rat accent. Please. I am, Bebel. <laughs> please enlighten us. What do each of those accents sound like? Dan, back to you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, to that point, uh, I think I would argue that I know there is a lot of popular groundswell against Gambit. And I, I think, in some ways, deserved. But, How dare you. I would also argue that, you know, he's he's facing off here against Tony Stark, who is kind of like a, like a super lame millionaire Batman, except he just spends all his time drinking and partying. Um... I don't even think that qualifies as a superhero, honestly. So at least Gambit has a staff that like telescopes up and down and can make things explode. And <laughs> well, did I mention deal. the fuchsia bodysuit? The defense rests. All right, Mose, talk about Iron Man. <sighs> okay. Now it would seem that again I am the overarching winner, but I'm going to play this as straight as possible. First of all. This guy was a raging alcoholic. And my guy's Cajun, the same thing. (laughs) Okay, but he's still out there doing a great job for America and for the Avengers and even for the West Coast Avengers, might I add. Got Captain America killed. Sorry, sorry, sling in my throat. Look, sometimes things happen. That was the Red Skull, Dan. See? Your information, Mr. Morin, is incorrect. <laughs> Tony has a delightful girlfriend by the name of Pepper Potts, who we just, we love to watch on film and, and just and revel in that. But literally, he's a genius philanthropist and alcoholic, but still fights to live and lives to fight. <laughs> let's, let, let's hear what the listeners had to say. The listeners said, Iron Man wears less purple. That's just a factual <laughs> statement. That is factual. Purple again. What is this with the purple? Uh, I'm always going to bring it in. Sure, they'll both likely steal your girlfriend, but at least Tony will pay for the party. No one likes Gambit. That's <laughs> demonstrably untrue. Demonstrably untrue, yes. Iron Man... Uh, rounding, rounding, rounding. Iron Man shoots lasers, and Gambit... Actually, this is the Gambit. I don't know. Throws cards... Iron Man shoots lasers and the Gambit throws. It's like the Batman. Are these two different heroes, Gambit and the Gambit? Are these? uh... They're related. And finally, Iron Man stories can make even corporate takeovers interesting. Gambit makes nothing interesting. Those are our listener comments. (laughs) Also demonstrably untrue. Phil, what say you? A question for Mister Mosliak. Sure, Your Honor. Absolutely. Has Iron Man lost his mind? Define losing your mind. Can Iron Man see, or is he blind? Can Iron Man walk at all? Or if he moves, will he fall? We're talking about blind drunk. Is he alive or dead? Has he thoughts within his head? We'll just pass him there. Why should we even care? Look, he transcended time. The people didn't love him, and he went back in time to save him. Quite true. Thank you. On the other hand, Gambit is the coolest of all the (laughs) X-Men. 
Josh. If you gather up children and say, who is your favorite X-Man? They will say, to a man. You're going to jail. (laughs) They will say, Gambit. Oh, man. I cannot rule in favor of this this fop, Iron Man, when Gambit, who stands tall above all superheroes, is uh, so assailed. I rule in favor of Gambit. That surprises no one. Uh, Steve. Yeah, there, there, there is a history of Tony Tony prejudice in this court. <laughs> Steve, uh, let us know what you think about Iron Man and Gambit. Uh, Advocate Morin. Yes, Regarding sir. Gambit. Yes, Does sir. he enjoy a good cayenne pepper? Uh, absolutely, Sherry. It's a fan of onion and garlic. Oui. <laughs> that notwithstanding... <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that this advocate does not seem to be defending his client to the best of his legal ability. <laughs> in fact, he seems somewhat to be in the bag for the other, uh, the other, uh, the other party to this particular battle. We're going to Stevens Life area. In fact, it's hard for me to see this as anything other than a miscarriage of justice. Certainly, this 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 ruling will be thrown out almost immediately upon rendering of judgment. Uh, because clearly this this uh, this I, I hesitate to use the word advocate uh, is not his heart is not in this thing. What? Lies. <laughs> a compelling counter argument. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, one second, please, guys. Just a second. Uh, I find for Iron Man. <laughs> well, that that splits the vote of, as we as we thought it might. Oh, there's no way I can lose. Uh, <laughs> I can I can think of at least one way. I can think of one really uh, clear way. Good news, Dan. Nineteen percent of the listeners <laughs> liked Gambit. That that was the way. That was the way. <laughs> the nineteen percent who are intelligent and realize <laughs> that Gambit is the greatest of all X Men. Yeah. And uh, Iron Man moves on to the next round. We move to the next. Uh, this is our big battle of under- underdogs. Uh, number 12 seed The Thing. Lots of complaints out there about The Thing being too lowly seated. It's just what mm-hmm. the committee did. Uh, he, there was something. His schedule was not strong enough. I don't know. Monty will be arguing for The Thing, number 12 seed. And yet he is not the underdog because Big Barda, the 13 seed, will be argued by Lisa. These are two Jack Kirby creations pointed out by several people as well. Lisa, you may go first. Tell us about Big Barda. Boom tube. That is where it begins. (laughs) That is where it ends. This is Big Barda and she has a boom tube. She can warp space and time. She basically (laughs) operates as a one-woman public transit infrastructure thanks to the boom tube. Not a euphemism, an actual piece of advanced technology. Seriously, Barda's origin story... And Barda's origin story is amazing. She was supposed to be some misogynist nightmare warrior lady that uh, wreaked havoc across Interstellar or whatever is in the name of evil. And instead, she decided she was going to shake off years of conditioning, follow her conscience, follow her tiny boyfriend to Earth, and become his adoring New England housewife. And yet... Every time some something threatens Earth in some some way, shape, or form, she shakes off the apron, she puts back on the apocalypse battle armor, and she goes out and she kicks butt. 
She's also the designated heavy hitter on the Birds of Prey. So you know she's a you know you know she's a team player. And also I think you get extra, 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 extra points for associating with the Birds of Prey because anyone who associates with Barbara Gordon in a positive way is kind of awesome by association as well. Lastly, I have two more words for you. Boom tube. Does the thing have a boom tube? No, he does not. He just has rocky skin and a massive <laughs> complex and a blind girlfriend. The that's, end. That's more than two words there at the end. But I get your I get your point. At one point, I thought you were going to say that she's also the designated driver. <laughs> but that's not what you said. Uh, Monty, talk about the thing. I believe you said in a previous episode that he is one of your favorite characters of all time. The thing is the best character in the Marvel Universe. He's got the angst that defines Marvel, but he's got the clobbering that defines superheroes. He's equally at home punching street-level goons in the face and dealing with cosmic weirdos. As an example of that, we're going to ignore the Fantastic Four for a moment, because certain members of it have gotten way too much publicity during this round. Johnny Storm? Yes, that dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The series Marvel 2-in-1 went for 100 issues, and it paired Ben Grimm up with someone different every month. And every time, it's great. This is a character who can pair off with characters as diverse as Spider-Man, the Living Mummy, the Impossible Man, and, in the second-to-last issue, not to curry favor with certain bailiffs, Rom the Space Knight. Mm. Listen, mm. I respect Big Barda. Big Barda is one of my favorite characters. I was proud to bring her into the second round when I argued for her in the first round. But she's not as great as the guy who tells us exactly when clobbering time starts. All right, you didn't mention that in uh, issue 50 of Marvel 2 and 1, the thing teamed up with himself. That's an alternate thing that he teams yes. up with. Yes. yes, with the old rocks instead of the new rocks. I just would, you mentioned Marvel 2 and 1. I thought, I thought I'd throw that in there. He also teams up with Ben Grimm at one point, where yes. you have the rock version and the human version. It's crazy stuff. The listeners wrote in and said, um, my dad made me move piles of rocks each summer when I was a boy. <laughs> um, also, uh, before the Horta, there came the thing, the original character that proves a pile of rocks can feel. Uh, another one wrote in and, and said, I agree with the Internet's Dr. Drang. The thing was underseated and should clean up in the second round. Um, ben Grimm, friend to everyone in the Marvel Universe, but the loneliest man on Earth. Uh, also, another another listener wrote in and said, The thing is kind of dumb, but I've never heard of Big Barda. <laughs> and finally, I would like to point out a mistake. I referred to Yancey Street, the thing's home, as being in Brooklyn. It's not in Brooklyn. It's back in a time when there could be bad neighborhoods in Manhattan. There are not now, but it was in the it was in it was in proper Manhattan in New York City, not in the borough of Brooklyn. So uh, which is also New York City, but is not Manhattan. So I, I screwed it up again there. Yancey Street's in Manhattan. But I bet it's, it's, they moved, probably moved it all to Brooklyn at some point in the 70s. That's my theory. Um, via boom tube. Uh, let's go to our judges. Uh, Steve, what say you? Advocate Schmeiser, can you explain this boom tube? You've said it a lot, but you haven't really <laughs> explained what the hell it is. Is is this similar to Gambit's staff that telescopes up and down? No, it's a, it's it's about the size of a cardboard poster tube, uh, considerably more high-tech and interesting-looking. She points at something. She creates a wormhole in space and time. You can shove stuff through it. It goes, boom! And uh, that's it. More high-tech than a cardboard tube, you say. (laughs) And... and and to to what end? To what end is this boom tube used? Is it used to just dispose of garbage in an easy fashion? Or what's the purpose of this wormhole and putting stuff, stuff in it? You can move people quickly. 
including yourself. Oh, you can throw he, villains into awful dimensions, things like that. Mm-hmm. So teleportation huge, basically is, yeah. is the point. It's teleport. She's basically a one-woman one public transit service if the transit in question is teleportation that's accessed by a tube. To quote Tenacious D, she's got the power to move you. And, uh, and mm. Gambit's staff that telescopes up and down, that does not have this same power. Okay. Yeah, I am I am no I am no gambit expert, but mm. to the best of my knowledge, I think the staff is just there because they needed something to do with his hands in several of the shots. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. He needs the yeah. staff for balance. Gambit's so cool that he'd fall over if he didn't have something to hold on to. That's why cool people are always leaning against things. Well, yeah, <laughs> Stop yeah. talking about Gambit, <laughs> I beg you. <laughs> and uh, advocate Ashley. Yes, sir. When is clobber in time exactly? It's it's never been made clear to me exactly when that is. That's why you need the thing around. He's the only true... He's got the only true lock on when clobbering time starts. If he's not there, it could be clobbering time you don't even know. It's about so every it's, four pages. It's okay. Interesting. That's, that's a good metric. Well, while I do like boom tube, I, uh, I also like clobbering time. So, uh, wow, this is a tough one, but um, I've heard of the thing. <laughs> so the thing it is. Bill? Boom tube, clobbering time. Clobbering time, boom tube. Question for Mr. Ashley. What's that? Who is the coolest of the X-Men? Uh. <laughs> Gambit? Question for the Schmeiser. <laughs> Who is the coolest of the X-Men? Relevance, Your Honor. Nice. Relevance is exactly the, how the low the is for the thing. To go. The thing, the thing. And can, excuse me, a point of order. Can we please can we please bring Advocate Morin back uh to the uh to the stand? Uh, well, it's hi. highly unprecedented, what, but what, I'll allow what? it. Yeah, Advocate Morin, I would like to learn more about uh, Gambit's staff. No, telescopes up and no. Down. Gambit's staff is um, is a. Uh, it's basically a couple of interns. We, it's a, we lost the evidence. This is we have to this move is on. a family podcast. I'm yeah, sorry. Um, this question was directed at Advocate Morin. Advocate Morin, please, please, I, I need to oh. know more about this subject. I am going to call Steve Lutz at one in the morning and ask him about Gambit's staff, and he will be unhappy. <laughs> The staff is this an important part of Gambit's repertoire, or is it? Oh, you pronounced that correctly, Steve. That was excellent, by the way. Interesting. Well, I'm <sighs> going for the Cajun feel because you know Gambit. Yes, I would. I would say it's perhaps not as critical as his fuchsia bodysuit or ability to throw exploding playing cards, but I would say it's a central part of his identity as the coolest of the X. Part of his brand, his personal brand. Good to know. Good to know. This, this is this not will... to reverse that decision. This will weigh upon future decisions. I cannot go back and change <laughs> the previous decision, obviously, but. Uh, Gambit staff may come up in non-Gambit-related things. That's Um, absolutely right. uh, The Thing also got the endorsement of 69% of the listeners. We move on to a matchup between number six seed Rorschach, who will be argued by Moe's, and number 14 seed Invincible, who will be argued by the person who introduced Invincible, one of my favorite comics now, to me, Lisa Schmeiser. Lisa, you're the underdog. Please go first and talk about Invincible. Okay, I seem to keep getting people who have to break their conditioning or their destiny. And um, the great thing about these people is they actually keep doing it. 
the thing that makes Invincible great is that he was effectively raised as a sleeper agent in an invading alien army from a brutally repressive militaristic race of Tom Selleck-like aliens. And instead, he became a protector and a defender of Earth. And the thing that makes Invincible great is he's willing to take his licks and keep getting and, and keep coming back. I, I have lost count of the number of panels where this poor guy has has just had his face beaten into a pulp and it slowly heals over the course of a story arc. Um, anyway, Mark, who is when the Invincible is when he's not being invincible, he's really big into giving people second chances. And although he gets more pragmatic as he gets older, he's on his guard against becoming cynical and he's always striving to try and remain compassionate. He actively fights against the type of pragmatism that reduces living beings to mere mere objects on a chessboard. He tries to hold life as sacred. That's one of the things that drives him. And even, even when he has to do things that will threaten or end somebody's life. Um, so I do give props to Rorschach for eventually taming his demons to the point where they work for him. Um, and it's one of the most effective characters in comics. But Invincible has actually had to go a step further and fight alternate reality versions of himself. And in my opinion, that kicks up a level of intensity. Imagine coming face-to-face -face with the living embodiment of every bad decision you've ever made over the course of your life. Imagine coming face-to-face -face with every unpleasant facet of your personality blown up uh, into somebody who's wearing your face. And then imagine that all of your bad decisions and all of the unpleasant parts of your personality are trying to kill you. Invincibles lived this, and he still managed to come out of it as a hero and somebody who values life and strives to see the best in other people. He carries a lot of his damage, but he carries it on the inside. Finally, that thing that makes Invincible really great, he's basically Spider-Man crossed with Superman. You know, he's a guy who had responsibility thrust onto him. He's got this crazy amount of powers. He's half alien, but he still strives to hold on to the things that make him human and relatable to the people he loves. All right. And Mose, tell us about Rorschach. I'll tell you what, that was amazing. I would love to read that comic, but uh, with a name like Invincible, it sounds dumb. So, but anyway, uh, Rorschach. Easily one of the most influential, as uh, my uh, other defend, defense uh, attorney was saying, uh, is probably, uh, you know, in, in fact, a legend. Um, he is probably the smartest detective that would have ever been on the planet if he had not died. You know, Bruce Wayne couldn't hold his job. Spoilers! Well, look, if you haven't, if you haven't read Watchmen... Shame on you. And I'll guarantee... Spoilers from 1986. Exactly. So, uh, objection, and you're overruled. Oh, uh, wait, um, that movie's he... not that old. Oh! Here we go. Oh, oh, oh. Your honors. Your honors. Is, uh, is Monty coming up soon? There we go. That's all I needed to hear. Okay, so, first of all, Watchmen is a watershed moment in comics. He could probably, had he not died, prove that, you know... The moon landing was false and faked. Um, he also made eating careful that puts him up against Moon Knight. But well, okay. But then again, he won. So uh, look, how bad could I be doing? Um, he has the coolest mask in comics, flat out, and he made eating cold beans cool again. Again, yeah, it had been it in the forties cool briefly, point? but uh, then it came back. <laughs> Nineteen twenty-three. Everyone's eating cold beans. Cold when beans. will this trend come back? 
And the answer is in a comic book in the 80s. Um, only uh, two comments came in in our uh, from our listeners pointing out that I mistyped the word Rorschach in the bracket. Cool. So, thank you to those two people for writing in and being pedants. Um, and then two comments from uh, from listeners. I asked Rorschach to save me once. He said no. And uh, he's not trapped in a bracket with all these heroes. They're trapped in a bracket with him. Those are the comments <laughs> from the listeners. Phil, what is your ruling on Rorschach and Invincible? Mm. On the one hand, Ted Cruz has come out as a strong advocate for Rorschach. <laughs> on the other hand, Miss Schmeiser, who played Rorschach in the Watchmen movie. Jackie Earl Haley did. Hmm. Didn't Mr. Jackie Earl Haley favorite not one, but two of your tweets in recent memory? That has no bearing on this. I think that you should answer the question. (laughs) You are under oath. (laughs) I don't think that's true. I moved to have that question. I think I just wanted to say that because it sounds really funny. I'm curious as to where this line of questioning is going. What is the relevance of someone favoriting my tweets when I am, in fact, advocating for a different hero? The point is this, Mishmiser. Kelly Leak has defended you to the death, and yet you turned your back on Kelly Leak at the moment uh, when he needs you the most. That is I'm just... a court-appointed defender doing my job, sir. Well, that may well be. Did we just step into a really creepy role-playing session? I, oh, oh, God, I'm yep. glad Steve said it. Yep. <laughs> he put words to it. Also, yeah. Phil missed the most important line he should have said there, which was, I'm asking the questions here. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to the psychodrama. Yep. <laughs> uh, on the one hand, I really I, I enjoy both The Watchmen and The Invincible. They're, they're, uh, I think they're two very good funny books. Um I am going to rule, however, in favor of Rorschach. All right. Steve? Well, I came into this thing thinking Rorschach all the way. I know Rorschach. I love Rorschach. I agree with Rorschach on pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> Including that, cold that beans. That really explains a lot of the problems of this court. <laughs> so. Then Advocate Schmeiser came in with her advocacy of Invincible, and I'm fascinated by this concept. Um, the the concept of Tom Selleck-like aliens, to, be, to begin with, it's a... Uh, Wow. I, I'm not sure what to say about that or how that could possibly work, but it does make me want to look it up and, and find out. Although the fact that uh, he's an invading alien that became defender of Earth does sound suspiciously like several other heroes that have been defended tonight. So points off for originality. Um, I like that uh, that it's kind of a, I've seen I've seen images from this comic. I like the fact that he's beaten to a pulp and it's fairly gory and then he slowly heals over time. I think that's very interesting. Very interesting. Most interesting, I think, is the fact that um, Advocate Moselak points out that uh, Rorschach is dead. Is Invincible dead? The name suggests that he's not. I don't think Invincible's dead, but Rorschach clearly is dead. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but he's said it several times. <laughs> I find for Invincible. Gasp. <laughs> Uproar. Lock your doors. Uh, Lock your uh, doors. Murmur, murmur, courtroom murmur. That throws throws it to the hands of our listeners uh, who had to choose between a character who appears in an independent comic and a character who appears in the most celebrated comic book ever made, 75% of whom voted for Rorschach. 
So Rorschach moves on, but it was a nice, uh, well-argued, Lisa, well-argued for our friend Mark. Thank you. Moving on to our last pairing of the evening. Do they have mustaches? He is he is not the, the new people I'm about to discuss or all no, of the invincibles. No, the like aliens. Yes. Oh, yes, they do. His dad's got the big Selleck mu- they mustache. They have oh, yeah. exquisite mustaches. So the, yeah, they, they, that is how you can tell th- that it's You can't a, say someone right. is Tom Selleck-like and not have a mustache. Yeah, that's just a guy in a Hawaiian shirt. You know? Well, that's, I, that's what I'm yeah. saying. I just you know, wanted to be sure. Like, when he shaves, Tom Selleck is not Tom Selleck-like. Unless you're referring to Tom Selleck when he played Eisenhower in that TV movie. They, that was wrong, though. Mm. But I, then again, Eisenhower had no mustache, so that would that's also be true. wrong. Um, Moving on to our last pairing of the evening, number 10, Nightcrawler, will be argued by Chip. This is a battle of of true friends in the X-Men, because Nightcrawler is going up against his good friend Wolverine, number two seed, who will be argued by Monty. Chip, you get to go first. Tell us about Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler. Okay, everybody. I, can we all agree that we're all really sick and tired of Wolverine? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> All right, I find for uh, I, 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 I apologize, Mr. Sindelar. Um, mm. <laughs> there's only one r- reason why the universe has not become completely sick of Wolverine. That's Hugh Jackman. And, well, and Paul Cornell wrote a good run of the comic recently. But uh, the whole point of the mutant analogy is that you've got heroes who are hated and feared for being different. And when it comes to appearances, Wolverine has a sucky haircut. Nightcrawler, he looks like a demon. He looks like a devil. He has a pointy tail. The world hates and fears him, and yet he's still a hero. He has more reason to be as bloodthirsty as Wolverine, but he's less bloodthirsty. He's a great he's a great fighter. He can climb walls, but his signature superpower is teleportation, which he does in a puff of brimstone and the sound effect, BAMF. B-A-M-F. I think we all know what that stands for, and it's not biomass alternative methane fuels. I rest my case. Very good. Monty. Look, we all know how cool Wolverine is. Some say he's one of the top two coolest (laughs) (laughs) X-Men. He's got the healing factor and the claws and the crazy facial hair. But he's also got the superpower to appear in 17 different titles a week for 30 years. He can be in the X-Men and the Avengers and Gem and the Holograms all at the same time. Sure, you're a little sick of him now because he's been in every comic book for so long. Look, he's such a great character that he got a solo movie that everyone hated, and then he got another solo movie. Sure, everyone hated that one, but he's going to get another solo movie. Just like the character itself, the concept of Wolverine is so strong, it can't be killed. Nightcrawler could barely survive Alan Cummings' German accent. Wolverine. Won't you? <laughs> uh, Monty has a point of order. I will point out that, that, they, that they did kill Wolverine, and he's dead now. He's not dead. There's a whole planet of them. He's just yeah. Waiting. Well, I mean, it's comics. He's, he's back, but they Techni- didn't kill him. Technically dead. They didn't uh, kill him. Dead. They co- they assumed he was dead wait and they minute, covered him minute, in adamantium. He was totally alive in there. Wolverine right. is dead. Well, no. really? it's complicated. Wolverine. It's complicated. Wolverine doesn't die. die. He just waits. He just. Waits I read every long. issue mm. of the death mm. of Wolverine. Nope. Okay. Okay. That's Deadpool I think that, resurrected him. That, that's a reasonable argument. I have two uh, final comments from listeners in this final matchup, and they are they are probably my two favorite 
of all of the ones I've read tonight. First, a listener writes, Alan Cumming beats Hugh Jackman as a porno name. Mm, wow. I don't know what he's saying, really, Jason. He's got some points. And second, this is a painful decision. Painful. I know how Steve Lutz feels when he has 10 jokes ready for something Jason says, and he can't choose all of them. He must leave some behind. I have never left one of my 10 jokes behind. I edit out five of them, but I leave the other five in. Steve, what is your thought about Nightcrawler and Wolverine? Well, uh, Advocate Chip, you seem to lean heavily in your advocacy of Nightcrawler on, on his Banff catchphrase. If Banff does not stand for that that thing you said, what does BAMF stand for? Really? Your Honor, my opponent cannot even be bothered to say actual words, just incoherent beeps that no one understands <laughs> what he's saying. <laughs> Interesting. And Monty. Yeah. Question for you. If that is the case, and I don't dispute that it is, what does SNICK stand for? <laughs> SNICK is too cool to stand for anything, man. It just is. Heavy. Heavy. I find for the guy who didn't beep. Wolverine it is. I All fell right. into that trap. Phil? Bamf. Schnicked. Schnicked. Bamf. <laughs> Phil, do you smell Uma? toast? Oprah. <laughs> I have a question for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. This is <laughs> present. Tony. Y- yes. <laughs> Which of these um, X Men would you say is the closest to matching Gambit for coolest? <laughs> who who is he actually talking to? <laughs> I believe you're an expert witness here. Yes, an expert witness. Uh. Oh, yes. I find against Tony. Yes. <laughs> Who did Tony argue for again? Answer the question. I'm waiting for an answer. Who did I argue for? I wasn't uh, arguing. No, I, had, I, 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 I asked he argued for Nightcrawler, Your Honor. Nightcrawler or Wolverine? How Wolverine or Nightcrawler compared to Gambit? And I'm waiting for my answer. It will totally influence my decision. I, I don't know what's going on. Well, Tony, who is closer to the coolness of Gambit? No, I phrased it in a very careful way. Nightcrawler yeah, or Wolverine. I, 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 take issue with, I take issue with the premise of that question. Well, I find you in contempt. That's contempt. a leading question. Contempt. Imagine the X-Men lined up in order of coolness. Gambit is obviously at the head of the line. Is this line in some kind of circle, perhaps, where it gets confusing about where the who line starts? Who is standing ends? next to Gambit? Uh, one way or another, Gambit is at one end of the line. Just Mobius strip. You know, I'll, okay. th- I'll throw it open to, to anyone. Who is as cool as Gambit between these two? Nobody well, is as cool, nobody as, Gambit, is as, cool as Gambit. That is correct the correct answer. I rule in favor of uh, Nightcrawler. <laughs> I, I thought I had a chance to win this one with how, how unpredictable yeah. things were. <laughs> uh, okay, so Phil votes for Nightcrawler. Uh, Steve votes for Wolverine. The people have spoken, 65% of them, to Snicked over Banff. So Wolverine moves on to the next round. Uh, this ends round two of the Summer Superhero Spectacular. I would like thank to thank God. our judges. Thank God. I would like to thank our judges for fulfilling their duties as judges. We will not need them in the next round. Thank what? you for your what? two rounds of judge duty. You're fired, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying, but Ugh. with honor. With honor. Nice. 
And uh, to everybody out there who's still listening, don't you have something better to do with your time? I would like to thank my participants in the Summer Superhero Spectacular. Dan Morin, Monty Ashley, Tony Sindelar, Lisa Schmeiser, Chip Sutterth, Philip Mosellac, Shannon Sutterth, and of course our judges, Philip Michaels and Steve Lutz. I'm your host, Jason Snell. Thank you for listening, uh, and we'll be back with more superhero insanity at a later date this summer. Goodbye. Goodbye.